Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I want to call him Pastor Sproul, R.C. Sproul. This is what he said. The only freedom that a man ever has is when he becomes a slave of Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Not a slave in a bad way, a slave in a good way. When you're connected to him, when you're under his rulership, when you're under his love, when you're under his truth. So we're in this series and we're simply calling it Finding Freedom. And it really comes from a couple of things that Jesus said in John chapter 8. You know it. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you right? Free. And then he said at the end of this conversation, therefore, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we've been on this journey about finding more freedom as God's people. And if you recall, if you were here last week or you caught the podcast, we talked about how pride can be used as an open door that gives the devil permission, so to speak, to enter a person's life and wreak havoc, cause trouble, to steal, kill, and destroy. And we talked about how pride is trusting in one's own strength. Pride is trusting in one's own righteousness apart from God. And pride can be trusting in your own wisdom. I got it, God. I don't need to know what you know. I don't need your counsel. I'm going to go my own way. And when we do that, we find ourselves... Uh, a little mixed up in life, and things don't go as favorably as God would like them to go for us. God wants all of us to learn a little bit about the enemy. I'm not spending time talking about the devil because he's just so big and bad. Listen, he's defeated. He's defeated. We don't need to be afraid of the devil or the kingdom of darkness or demons, but it's wise to be aware of him and his strategies and his tactics. Why? So we can know a counterfeit. We can know deception. We can become familiar with his mode. And we can avoid them. Amen? So that's in part why we're talking about some of the things pertaining to open doors and demons and the devil and the kingdom of darkness. We need to know our enemy to a certain degree so we can learn how to avoid him. Now the title of today's message is simply this. Free, but not free. Would you say it with me, church? Free, dramatic pause, but not free, right? So what do you mean, Pastor Roberts? Could sound a little confusing. No, no, no. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died and he was buried and he was resurrected and he ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit for us, when we accepted his finished work, instantaneously, that moment in the Spirit, it's a biblical fact, you were set free. But we all realize that we aren't all experiencing as much freedom as we possibly could. Amen. Come on, is it just me or has anybody else got room for a little bit more freedom, right? So we are free, but there might be some areas where a Christian isn't experiencing freedom. Now, I want us to look at John chapter 8. 
I'm not going to read the whole story between verses 31 through 36, but go there with me because we're going to end up on a verse in that story that's going to kind of get us headed in the right direction for today's message, free but not free. So John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, Jesus is talking to some Jewish people who said, I believe in you. I believe you. I believe you're the Messiah. And then Jesus said, listen, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed, my students, my pupils, you're learning from me. You're going to be growing in me. And then he says, and by the way, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Well, these people that he was speaking to kind of scratched their head and stepped back and said, what do you mean? We've never been in bondage to anybody. Now, first pause. He's talking to Hebrew people. Duh, did they not remember that they were in slavery to the Egyptians for I don't know how many hundreds of years? So something's missing. They're not making the connection to what Jesus tries to connect at that moment. We've never been in slavery to anybody. Uh, we're the descendants of Abraham. Strong physical lineage there, right? And he says, how can you say we've been in bondage? And Jesus says, listen, uh, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He said, a slave doesn't live in the family forever. A son lives in the family forever. In other words, if you're really a child of God, you should be experiencing this freedom in your life. And then he says in verse 36, by the way, if the son, referring to himself, sets you free, you shall be unquestionably free. Free indeed. But I want us to notice this. Verse 34. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave of sin. Now today, I want us to talk a little bit about some more doors that the enemy is looking for that he could enter into the life of a Christian to keep them from experiencing the freedom that God paid for them to have. Okay? And the first possible open door is continued iniquity. Or continued sin. What's sin, Pastor Robert? Sin is simply missing the mark. Going off path. God says live this way. And we intentionally or accidentally live that way. But Jesus isn't saying, listen, everyone who makes a sin now and then is enslaved to sin. What he's saying is, if you've got a habit, if you're enslaved, if you've got this harmful addiction... If you've got this thing that's out of your control and you keep going back to it and it's continued in your life, this is a big red flag team. This is a possible open door that the enemy's looking for. Christians who continue in sin or iniquity open up an opportunity for the enemy to come in and clobber them and take advantage of their life. And all throughout the Bible, the Bible because of the love of God, he's warning us. He says, listen, don't live that way because when you do, it's not going to turn out to be favorable for you. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. The apostle Paul in chapter 6 just goes through this amazing teaching about how we've been made free from sin and how we've been made free in Jesus and we don't need to give ourselves over to sin anymore. And in verse 15 to 17, he says this. 
What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under God's grace? So in the Old Testament, they had the Ten Commandments. This is the law. This is what God says. This is how you're supposed to live. Period. But now that we've got the grace of God and we realize that it's not by what we do, it's by what Jesus did. It's not by our perfection. It's by the perfection of Jesus. So now what? Are we free to just any way we want to live? He says, certainly not. Verse 16. Do you not know that when you continually offer yourself to someone to do his will, you are the slaves of that one whom you obey, either slaves of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness, or right standing with God. But thank God that though you were slaves of sin, he's speaking to Christians, you became obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. There is freedom in Jesus. And when you accepted Christ, you were set free. You believed the teachings of Jesus. You became a Christian. And now there should be this ongoing transformation where we're recognizing sin by the power of the Spirit and by the power of the Word. And we're making an intentional decision with His help to move away from continued sin. Amen, church? Let me share a testimony with you. This is a real-life testimony from Sarah. She attends our TKK campus. She finally got tired of bondage, of being enslaved. Listen to what she says. Three years ago, I found myself at rock bottom. I had been somewhat successful at abstaining from drinking because of my pregnancies, but the times I did drink, I would find myself getting blackout drunk. One day I fell down my basement stairs. I smashed my head on the cement and my husband found me there about 12 hours later. I should have died that day. Now, it was help or life would never be the same. This wasn't an ultimatum from my husband, she said, but a court order from the judge. I went into a 21-day program and it was there that I found a relationship with God. The young girl in the bed next to me prayed every day and night. I had never been around prayer because I was a non-believer. I figured I had nothing to lose. The moment I opened up my heart and started praying, my life began to change. All of the pieces started coming together, and life got a little bit better. My life literally did a complete turnaround. I'm sharing this with you because I'm unbelievably grateful to God for taking away my addiction. I am a living testimony that God still works miracles, and if you are struggling with anything at all, turn to Him. He's the way. Let me leave you with this one thought. God can and does bring freedom, and God does break chains. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Pastor Robert, I don't have a drinking problem. That's okay. If there's anything in our lives that seems to be continued pattern, that we know is wrong, there's a strong possibility that we're enslaved to it. There's a strong possibility that it's out of our control. And God wants you and I to be free. Amen? He wants for us to experience the freedom 
that God wants us to have. Why is freedom such a big deal? I believe that until we're free and experiencing freedom, we won't experience fulfillment. We can try to get fulfillment in these things or these people or these places, but a lot of times they just enslave us and they keep us from experiencing true freedom in Christ. Come on, does anybody have any room for more freedom besides me? Somebody say amen, Pastor Robert, I do, right? So if I want to experience freedom, I can't keep surrendering to sinful habits. I just, I got to make a decision. Pastor Robert, I don't know what to do. I, I, don't, I don't know how to fight it. Listen, connect with a friend that you know loves you and begin to pray. Begin to receive some prayer and some encouragement and some counsel in how to begin to fight back against those temptations and those urges and those things that the enemy would try to trap you in because God wants for us to live free. As a matter of fact, let's, stay, let's just say this together. You remember, I'll never have you say anything that's embarrassing, okay? So just repeat this after me. Come on, repeat this after me. Today I renounce sin. I turn from it. I will no longer give in to it. Today I choose to give myself to God with all my heart in Jesus' name. Come on, we just closed the door on the enemy right now. We did, right? If you meant that from your heart. God wants to help you to experience freedom. Now, let me, let me clarify something. Uh, this testimony was about drinking alcohol. Uh, let me just go on the record, okay? The Bible does not say drinking alcohol is a sin. But it does say getting drunk is a sin. When we come under the influence of any other substance, that's a sin. Not just alcohol. Could be pot. It could be drugs. It could be a myriad of different things. Okay? So here, hear my heart. I'm not this legalistic preacher that's going to forbid you from having a glass of wine or having a beer. If you want to. Personally, I choose to abstain. Okay? I know if I don't drink a beer, I'll never get drunk on alcohol. Amen? So I just don't go there. But if you want to drink a beer, have a glass of wine, you can. But be clear. When we get tipsy and we get drunk, that begins to be a problem. And so we want to just stay away from those opportunities that the enemy's looking for to cause problems. Amen, church? You know I love you, right? Moving on to the second point I want us to see. And this second point is more of a possible indicator, possible indicator that a door could have been opened or is still open in your life. And here it is, number two, continued illness. Say it with me, church. Continued illness. Now, I think that this is rarely talked about it's often overlooked. It might even be a taboo subject, just something really touchy, elephant in the room. You don't really want to talk about it. But I want to look at a story in Luke chapter 13, and I want to identify something that I think the Holy Spirit wants to show us. Luke 13, 11 through 16, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Jesus saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. 
Now, the New King James says it's a spirit of infirmity. And the word infirmity means disease or sickness or weakness. So let me just make it real clear if we're missing it. This woman was crippled and it was caused by a demonic spirit, an evil spirit. She'd been bent double or bent over for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. 18 years by an evil or a demonic spirit. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, listen to the grace of God. Listen to the mercy of God. You are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her and instantly she could stand straight. I don't know why he touched her. I don't know that it was 100% necessarily needful because you know what? The word of Jesus, demons flee. Amen. Right? But I think this is a great encouragement for us. There's something to be said about coming in agreement and praying for one another and gently laying hands on one another. There's this point of contact where we're releasing our faith and believing with each other in the name of Jesus. He touched her. She stood straight. How she praised God. Can you imagine how she praised God? She, she just probably danced a jig right there. 18 years been over. Now in a moment, Jesus sets her free. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. Can you believe this guy? If I ever do that, just kick me out. Okay? Verse 15. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites. And he's talking to everybody now. Each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? Yeah. This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham. So she was probably a Hebrew. She had this physical lineal descent. A daughter of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She had a strong godly heritage. She's been held in bondage by happenstance. Because she just all of a sudden got sick one day. And nobody knows why. Is that what it says? Held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? Come on, how many know the answer is yes? Amen. Now, this word released, I looked it up, the Greek word luo, L-Y-O. And it's a good word because it means to be loosed or freed from something that bound you. Shouldn't she be loosed? Shouldn't she be freed? Shouldn't those chains and those shackles of sickness that Satan's put on her come off? Absolutely. 100%. Now, when we read the scriptures, there's a lot of cases where people were healed by Jesus where there's no mention of demon possession or there's no mention of demons being behind it. But on the other hand, there were some whose sickness and whose disease was directly connected to a demon, to an evil spirit. I want to just read some. They're not going to be on the screen. If you're taking notes and you want to write them down, you can. The first one is in Mark chapter 9. Verse 25, Mark chapter 9, verse 25, listen to what it says. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, listen, he rebuked the unclean spirit. That's another word for 
evil, wicked, or demon spirit. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. So there was a wicked spirit that caused someone to be unable to speak and to communicate or to hear. And Jesus identified that it was a wicked spirit. Another instance, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then there was brought to him a demon-possessed man, a demonized man. A demonized man. A, a man in whom a demon was lording over, was controlling, was seizing, was overpowering. This man was blind and dumb. And he, Jesus, healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. Now, I haven't studied to see if that's the same man. I'm just trying to get us to see the connection between the sickness and the demon in the man. Mark 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 17, another one. And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. Can you imagine a parent? I brought you my son, possessed, demonized. Possessed with a spirit, which makes him mute, can't talk. So there's definitely scriptures that point to illness that's caused by a demon. That's caused by evil. That's caused by wickedness. But there's good news, okay? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Can somebody say amen? He did. Now, I'm not sharing this. We're not sharing this because we want to, you know, overemphasize the power of the devil or overemphasize the kingdom of darkness. Remember, we're not fighting for freedom. We're fighting from freedom. We already are free, right? But we want to recognize some of the way the devil sneaks in and he causes things to happen in people's life. Let me just show you the ministry of Jesus, Acts 10, 38, not an unfamiliar portion of Scripture. It says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice, Jesus anointed by the Spirit and the power of God. Anointed means the Spirit came on him and in him. It was all around him. Everywhere he went, the Spirit was with him, allowing him to minister in the supernatural. The Bible says he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Notice the connection. The healing of those who were oppressed by the devil. So there was healing that needed to take place in people's life because the devil had them outside of the healing that Jesus wanted them to walk in. Can you see that? This word oppressed, it means literally this, to exercise harsh control or power over someone. To exercise harsh control or power over someone. So what are you saying, Pastor Robert? I'm saying that sometimes this prolonged, ongoing sickness that a person may be experiencing could be spiritual at its root. And they may not even be aware of it. However, if we're pursuing the Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit will show us those things 
And he'll get us some freedom from sickness and disease that the enemy has strapped on to somebody's life. Amen? Can you guys see that in the Bible? How the enemy comes and he brings sickness and disease? Not everybody who's sick has a demon. That's not what I'm saying. Not everybody who's sick is oppressed by the devil. That's not what I'm saying. But there is some sickness that is instigated and caused by the kingdom of darkness and the devil. So we just need to be aware of that because that's an indicator. It could be an indicator that there's a possible door. Sometimes people may not even know. They may have done something when they were younger. They may have been somewhere and there could have been something that attached to them in the spirit and they're not even aware of it, but it's just causing them this ongoing sickness. So we just need to be aware of what the Bible says about this. So if you or someone you know is always sick, it could be spiritual at its root, but the good news is we can go to the Lord and spiritually he can open our eyes to some things and he can have us to come out of that and cut that root off. And, and I just want you to know, it's important to realize I don't believe that God is just going around and slapping sickness on people. That's not what I'm saying. This is the enemy. The enemy has come to do these types of things, and I just want us to be aware of it. Okay, last open door. I want us to see that the enemy will use to keep us from experiencing the freedom that God has for us. Come on, anybody else want to be free? A little bit more, right? Write this down, or you can highlight it in your book if you have it continued influence. Say it with me. Continued influence. There could be people, there could be places, there could be things that uh, are influencing a Christian in an unhealthy way, in a way that's completely different and completely opposite of God's way. And we need to be aware of these things. And I want us to look at a story in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. And I want us to identify something that isn't so obvious. And uh, I've, I've looked and I've looked at a lot of different commentaries. And it's not even as obvious with some commentaries that I looked at in regards to a scholar who really knows scripture in and out, sideways and upside down. And really like at the highest level of education and theology. I haven't even seen a lot of that pointed to what I want to show you right now. But I think it's worth putting our finger in and looking at it. Mark chapter 7 verses 24 through 30. I'm reading from the New King James this time. From there Jesus arose and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is a Gentile region. It's, it's a region where there's a lot of non-Jewish people people who aren't in a deep relationship with God, not God's people, uh, unbelieving part of town. And he entered a house, and he wanted no one to know it. But he couldn't be hidden. He, he wanted a break. Been doing a lot of ministry. Needed some time alone. He couldn't be hidden. His fame, his ministry, his preaching the way he delivered the word of God, the way he delivered the love of God, the healing that was taking place, people were hearing about it and his fame, his notoriety, his ministry was growing. Verse 25, for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. Now pause, I want to identify something there again, okay? So a mom has a young daughter. I don't know how old a young daughter is. Eight, 10, 
12, a young daughter, and the Bible says she had an unclean spirit. Again, not to overemphasize the power of the devil or the kingdom of darkness, but this is referring to a demonic spirit, an evil spirit. So this mom who has a daughter with an unclean spirit heard about Jesus and she came and she fell at the feet of Jesus. Good decision. Verse 26. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. If you have a highlighter and you're looking in your Bible or you want to just underline something to go and study out a little further, Syrophoenician by birth. That's an important thing. I'm going to come back to it. And she kept asking Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. So apparently she asked him more than once and he didn't do it at the first request. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Ah, Jesus is being rude, right? He, he's really not being rude. This is, this is basically Jesus saying, listen, my priority is to the lost sheep of Israel. My first priority is to minister to God's lost sheep, to minister to the Hebrew, to the Jews first, not to share my ministry at this point and in this stage with everyone. But we know that he does, amen? Eventually he does. And so he's trying to get her to understand that she's of a non-Jewish descent, so the ministry that he had wasn't supposed to go to her right away. And so she was considered in that culture to be unclean outside of the family of God. Um, and, and I believe that he did this in part because he loved her. You know, he loved her. He loved his daughter, her daughter. He did this in part to test her faith in him also. So she kept asking. And he says this. And then in verse 28, and she answered and said to him, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Yes, Lord, I get that. Okay, I'm going to go with you on this. I understand I'm not part of the Jewish uh, culture. I'm outside of the culture of God's people. But, but, but you, surely, Lord, you've got some crumbs for me. You've got something for my daughter. She desperately needs your help. So she, she goes along with Jesus. Verse 29, then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. So, so for you having that faith and and responding the way you did and pressing in the way you did and not just settling to walk away with your daughter remaining the same. But because of this response, uh, go your way. And then he says this, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she'd come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. It's an interesting story. I want to talk a little bit about this continued influence. Because what we don't realize is that this woman, a Syrophoenician by birth, she grew up in a culture of the Phoenician people where they worshipped many gods. If you study the scriptures out, polytheism. They didn't worship the one true God. They worshiped Many, many gods. They had false god and idol worship. And this found its way into Israel and among God's people. God warned his people not to worship other gods. They were influenced and that idol worship crept in. I want to just mention 
that there's a famous woman in the Bible who was Phoenician by birth. Her name was Queen Jezebel. You'll find her in the book of Kings. She worshiped false gods. She was an idol worshiper. She married a king of Israel by the name of Ahab, whom God calls the most wicked, evil king that he'd ever had. And this happened because this woman, Jezebel, who was Phoenician, worshiped false gods and worshiped idols. And she brought that idol worship into God's people and it began to influence God's people and it began to infiltrate God's people and their relationship with God. And it caused their hearts at different times and different seasons in their life to stray from worshiping the one true God. Why is this important? It's important because this Phoenician woman by birth more than likely grew up in a culture where she was demonically influenced by the demons and the spirits behind those false gods and idols. You can't worship idols and worship false deities. It's all over the scriptures in the New Testament without worshiping demons and without connecting to demons or demonic spirits. So it's very, very likely that this family was influenced by this worship and somehow or another through that idol worship and false god worship, a demon came in and latched on to this little girl. And it caused a great deal of problems and trouble in this family. Pastor Robert, you, you don't understand. I, I don't worship false gods or idols. I agree with you. Most of us don't. Most of us aren't going to say, yeah, I'm worshiping idols. I'm worshiping false gods. But let me just give us a caution. Because some of the things that some Christians can be connected to can influence them in an evil or a wicked way. For example, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. I'm saying this as a loving pastor, okay? For example, if someone's a Christian and they're walking with God and they choose to begin to develop a relationship with someone who's not, what does the Bible call that? Unequally yoked. What does that mean? Well, if I have a heart for God and I'm pursuing God and I'm part of the family of God, and now I latch on to this person because I'm so in love with them or I'm so infatuated with them and I want them to be my forever guy or my forever girl, but they have nothing to do with Jesus. They don't want to walk with God. They've made it pretty clear, but you keep pursuing that relationship. Let me just be biblically sound and honest. The Bible makes a distinction between those that are saved and those that aren't. People that are saved are part of the kingdom of God and their father is Father God. People that are not saved are part of the kingdom of darkness and their father is not Father God. And we got to be aware of that because when you begin to pursue that, that person who's not walking with God will in fact influence a Christian in an unhealthy or in the wrong direction. Amen? Isn't that true? Okay, just want to make sure we understand that. How about this? Just an example. Horror movies. Christians get infatuated and dial in and tune into horror movies. Horror, it's just Hollywood. Yeah, but there's a lot of bad, wicked stuff behind those movies and those plots and those themes. It's demonic, right? I grew up watching that stuff. It's not of God. It can't be of God. It's demonic. You know, so I just want to be careful about what we watch. It's evil. It's wicked. It's 
demonic kids. Kids can tune into all kinds of cartoons or, or, or programs or video games with sorcery and black magic and monsters and wickedness. And that's not of God. So we got to be careful about watching stuff with our kids like that or our grandkids. How about horoscope reading? Fortune telling, tarot cards, psychic hotlines, celebrating a holiday that celebrates ghosts and witches. Hallow. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. October 31st. Halloween. Worshiping this night. That's not a big deal. Oh, ask a witch. That's a high holy day for witches. I'm not a witch. I'm not saying you're a witch. Don't celebrate Halloween as a ghoul or a goblin or a demon or a werewolf or Dracula or Frank. Find an alternative. Be Moses. Amen. <laughs> Dress your kid in, in an outfit like Jesus or the apostle Peter or, or an angel or, or a demon slayer. Something on the good side, something in the light, something of God, right? I'm just saying, Pastor Robert, it's not a big deal. Well, maybe, but maybe it is because that is a, it's a, it's a holiday for people who worship the devil. And so I'm just saying, you know, be careful about what you connect to because all of that stuff, you know how many Christians I see Christians posting on Facebook their horoscope readings, and, and we're like, is that a big deal? Well, to God it is. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, real quick, verses 9 through 12. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, see, I'm not the only one who uses that term. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Somebody say amen to that one, right? We're not going to do that. Of course, that's a given, right? Sounds funny, but obviously there was a problem with that because that was false God worship, false idol worship, and there were people in nations who actually did that. And so God's saying, don't, don't be influenced by them. Don't do that. And do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums, or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Why would God warn his people about that? Because his people could be influenced in an evil or a wicked way, and that influence could be an open door for demons, the kingdom of darkness, to come in and to wreak havoc in God's people's lives. Can you see that? So we, we just want to be careful about the influences that we're opening up our lives to. Uh, sorcery, sorcery in the Bible, it's just interesting. This is just interesting, Okay. I'm not building a theological case on this. It's just interesting. Sorcery in the Bible in the New Testament is the Greek word pharmakia. Pharmakia. We get our English word 
pharmacy. And in sorcery, they would use drugs to cast spells and use drugs in their demonic sorcery activities. So here's just something I'm aware of. Drugs, illicit use of drugs could very, very possibly open a spiritual door to the kingdom of darkness and to demons. I have done drugs. And while being high on cocaine or marijuana, even on heroin one time that I sniffed and I snorted that I didn't know was, okay? There were times where I'm pretty sure I saw things. Like, was it hallucinating? Probably, but what, what I was hallucinating were like figures, dark, like spooky, bad, demonic figures. So I just think it's interesting that drugs, pharmacia, sorcery, today, there's such a widespread use of drugs. And there's this push to keep using them and legalizing them. I'm not going to get into the politics of all that. I don't know all the details about whether or not somebody should take them if they're really sick and they're going to help them and it's genuinely what they want. I'm not, all I know is when you get high, you come under the influence of something other than God. And you just got to be so careful. So what are we talking about here, Pastor Robert? We're talking about possible doors that the enemy sees can go through and cause problems and keep God's people from experiencing freedom that they should be experiencing as a free people. They're freed, but there's some areas where they're not freed. Let me just read this. The Bible strongly condemns spiritism, mediums, the occult, and psychics, horoscopes, tarot cards, astrology, fortune tellers, palm readings, and seances. This all falls into the category as well. And these practices are based on the concept that there are God's small g, spirits, or deceased loved ones that can give advice and guidance. And these God's small g, or spirits, are demons. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15, just as one site. The Bible gives us no reason to believe that deceased loved ones can contact us. If they were believers, they're in heaven, enjoying the most wonderful place, inimaginable in fellowship with a loving God, and they cannot communicate with you. Amen. So we just have to be really careful. So what did we cover today, Pastor Robert? Well, the devil can use these open doors to enter a person's life and cause trouble. One, continued iniquity or sin, right? Somebody said, I am a recovering alcoholic, but I can get the best sport channels at the bar. So I go there every week. Don't go there. That's not the place for a recovering alcoholic to be, right? Just, just don't go there. Why do you have to go there, right? I, I'm recovering from, from lust and pornography, but, you know, I find my best friends at the strip bar down in Charlotte, right? Don't go there. Find some different friends. Go to a different place, right? You know, I used to have a problem with smoking and drinking, and I'm really, really not wanting to go there anymore because I know it's bad for me. God's warned me about it. I'm trying to get healthier. But I keep going back to my favorite sports bar. 
I just love it there. It's the atmosphere. It's really good. And everybody around you is smoking and drinking. Don't go there. Go somewhere else. Make a different choice. See, what are you saying, Pastor Robert? I'm saying if, if I want to experience more freedom, I have to think about what I'm exposing my life to. People, places, and things. Amen. Why? Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Have you been blessed by the word and the spirit? Not too hard, was I? Not too hard. Always in love. Amen. Come on. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.